everybody welcome back this is zetu zwane with another episode okay guys yo 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 wait okay so i used examples about faith but i used an example about faith and um just two examples of one individual who called who pointed to god and said you jesus christ you can heal this by me i don't have to take you back to this individual i know that you can heal it so like i said guys you can test the podcast you can test the things that i you know speak about and i was wrong i was wrong i thought that the 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 soldiers the centurion the 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 guy that the centurion was asking for was the son but it was the servant so in luke 7 first verses 1 to 10 it says after jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing he entered uh he entered capernaum anyway now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him when the centurion heard about jesus he sent he sent to him elders of the jews asking him to come and heal his servant and when he came to jesus and they pleaded with him earnestly saying he is worth to he is worthy to have you do this for him for he loves our nations our nation and he is one of who and he is one who built us our synagogue and jesus went with them when he was not far from the house the centurion sent friends saying to him lord do not trouble yourselves for i am not worthy for you to come under my roof therefore i did not presume for you to come but say the but there we go so this is the part i was right but say the word and let my servant be healed for i too am a man under your authority with soldiers under me and i say to one go and he goes and to another come and he comes this is the soldier saying to god because he's saying so this is i just want to pause here so in part one and that not so summary i was saying that we say this to jesus christ there are times where you are lamenting because you want god for a breakthrough you've experienced all your growth opportunities you know it's time jesus you know break the ocean you know break every chain break every chain you know what i'm saying you and so there are moments where so when the so the other one he was actually noble man's son he brought him he went to god and god said to him because god knows we're different there are other people who are you know who have a different character so they can say to god like the centurion said like you god you don't have to come under my roof okay but like i say to my people i tell them under i'm under your authority and as a person under your authority i believe the same way as i treat my 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 soldiers beneath me if i say to them go and if it goes and if i say to another comes he comes and if you say to my and if i say to my servant do this he does it when jesus heard these things he was marveled at him because of his faith he was saying to god i don't have to see you put your hand on him or speak a miracle i know because of the authority of your voice and the authority of your word the gravity the weight that it holds i know that he'll be healed you know and so i was saying that because i was saying affirmations are dangerous because it's taking away these very beautiful stories 
where even Jesus is like marveled. Jesus is surprised at his faith. And so he said to him, I will not even, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Somebody who believes from the authority of Jesus's, of God's word, the weight of his word. He doesn't have to go running around looking for signs. And so one of the things that I was saying from part one is that affirmations are dangerous because in some parts, one, they're saying that God's word is incomplete and here's this book that's going to fulfill he has this book that's going to fulfill the rest of what God should have said. So in Numbers 23 verse 19, that's why I had to then go with that verse to say that God is not a man that he should lie. There are other Bible verses that um, say that Jesus Christ is, the Bible is complete. Everything, the full picture, the generational kingdom promises, the generational plans that God wanted to lay out is all in the Bible. There's nothing about if there was anything that God wanted to put as a revelation to you, as a way for you to praise him, as a way for you to follow him, as a way for you to build a relationship with him, all of it would have been in the Bible. So now for it to suddenly to be said that is it is contained somewhere else, that is when I say that is a great fallacy and it's a great lie. And it's been the most convincing lie that we have um that we have listened to. So I'm so excited for part two uh, for you guys to go out. Part two is saying deceitful intent. Affirmations actually steal your longing for a breakthrough. So if you are going to be like this man, that's why I love the story of the centurion. Sorry, it was a servant in my part one. I said it was a son. I thought they were both sons, but this one is a, a loving servant. And he had the strongest conviction he understood, maybe he would have not believed or whatever. I don't know where he ended up, but he had the strongest conviction of what Hebrews 1.11 says, that faith is a believing without seeing. And he believes that the authority of Jesus Christ, similar to how him as a soldier has other soldiers beneath him. If he tells one to go, they will go. If he tells one to come, they will come. If he tells the servant to do this, the servant will do this. Similarly, if you, Jesus Christ, through the authority and the power of your voice, say that he, my servant will be healed, he will be healed. And so affirmations steal that one from you. So I'm going to continue with one example where I said, um, I said it in part one. It is a, a I said it as a quote for part two, and today we are going on to part two. When I was in Norman, Oklahoma, I could never speak to the cashier in Saswati and expect him or her to answer me. Then as the cashier starts looking at me confused, I start screaming at her again in Saswati. Um, hello, Maggie. Hello. That's what affirmations is doing to God. I'm not constraining God to one language, but Jesus has kingdom practices that are in opposition to affirmations. And so the example of the centurion is just one example of how it's in opposition to affirmations. It is a collection, a wash bosh, a just a, a junk full of beliefs mumbled into one thing. I believe wholeheartedly when you recite affirmations to God, replies, but is not calling you, but he's calling you away from these practices, not to them you can see you can see Yahweh calling his people back from idol worshiping in the whole of Isaiah Jeremiah and apparently in Ezekiel I'm just entering into Ezekiel so I'm really excited about this chapter so one once more please reread from Genesis to Jeremiah if you read Isaiah 
and Jeremiah by yourself, you'll have many times where you will pause and think, wow, this guy is just out here. This heavenly father is just out here punishing people left, right, center. Like what's happening? But I really liked reading or reread first Samuel and second Samuel and first Kings and second Kings to get a partial picture of what Jesus was going through. I really liked the. I think Isaiah and Jeremiah are responses to all those errors. And that's what you have to remember. I forgot all the Kings. There were so many Kings and all of them, they were trifling. All of them, they were idol worshiping. All of them were rebellious. It was very tiresome reading those ones. And, but the one thing when I went and reread it, I was like, but why is God silent over here? Every time there's an evil queen mother, there's an evil king, or this king starts off fine. Then what's happening? Why is he now all of a sudden like idol worshiping? Like what is going on? Like what's happening? You know, um, when you read First Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kings, Second Kings, that was my initial impression. Like Jesus seemed very silent in those moments. And then when you read Isaiah and Jeremiah, <laughs> ha, flames, literal flames. Okay, Jesus is out here, flames. Put, um, punishing, putting judgment. And, and you know what? It had to, it convicted me because I felt icky about reading Isaiah and Jeremiah because there was just a lot of punishment. And I think it just goes back to what I love pastors say that, you know, we have a problem with dis being disciplined and yet we have to be disciplined. But what I also like about Isaiah and Jeremiah, I don't want to read too much into it, is that, you know, like God, uh, God judges at the end of the day. You know, he won't judge the way you want to judge. Maybe it's a key for us to read, you know, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 2 Kings, 1 Kings. That's 400 years of just pure rebellion, you know. And it, it's, it's, it, ha it probably has something to do with God's timing. You guys should definitely go look that up and let me know, okay, because that's a topic for another day. We're going to continue here. So I just wanted to read Isaiah and Jeremiah because... It might seem like God was um, silent in First Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kings, Second Kings. It seemed like He was silent, just letting people go helter skelter, building uh, statues and stuff. But God responded, and He responded loud. Unfortunately, what you do read then in Isaiah and Jeremiah that we are stubborn and relentless in nature because of our free will. But it does come with consequences. So yet when you see the whole picture, you'll appreciate he's a savior taking his people away from destruction. Because that's because, like I said in part one, affirmations have this idea that mislead you into believing that you have the authority. Not like what the centurion, the soldier acknowledged, that God has the authority. Um... And destruction, I just feel like um, just being misled by your own chains, being less, being misled by the humanness of what you see, as opposed to the godliness of the possibilities of recovering and your miracles and um, have making way for God to make a way in your life. So God is calling his people to only serve him because unlike him, other spiritual practices are deceitful. And here's, I actually... I actually wholeheartedly agree with this point. In my latest series, I say God strategically orchestrates scenarios where people can do the same things as him. For instance, Moses goes to Pharaoh at some point and turns a, a stick into a snake. Then Pharaoh commands his people to turn a stick into a snake. And this brings me to John 10 verse 10, which is the thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy. Jesus Christ came that they may have life 
and have it abundantly. Part one, I also said that once I started picking up this weakness in terms of wanting to secure my environment, wanting to feel secured, um, I kept on saying there was an opportunity for me to do the glory of God. And I kept on saying 15,000 everywhere. The devil is going to put that shiny object looking forward to you. And I think it's just, unfortunately, we like to automate a lot of things. So it would have been, it was easier to go for the easier 15,000 as opposed to the more difficult and the more trying and the biggest testimony, 15,000. But um, halfway through being exposed to all these fake um, money opportunities, I realized that, you know what, it's the devil has a stronghold here. And if you consistently let him to have that stronghold in that area, you won't be able to see that when you're being tempted and when it's the real deal. Because when I got the real deal, I really saw that, okay, this is where God was truly leading me. And I can really put out the testimony of Jesus Christ um, through my acts of faith and through um, believing in him and letting him win the day. I wasn't perfect, trust me. Okay, but I'm just saying, when I really saw that this is the area where I can get the 15,000, then that's the place where I was like, okay, this is where God exists because there's healing here. There's peace here. Even amongst chaos and crises and calamities, I feel the peace of the Holy Spirit. And the other places was very, um, I think one of the, it won't always happen, but I got to really see that in the other places, it was very self-conceiting. It it felt like it was the me show more like I'm, I've done this. I've, I've made this happen. Pa, pa, pa. Watch this happen, you know? And so, um, that's when I was like, Ooh, I'm going against my ego here and I'm going against the devil because the devil always makes it seem like you have the authority to do everything. You have the authority to heal the servant as opposed to being like the soldier who said, but God, the way that I can send my men, I believe the authority of your voice, of your name holds far greater weight. And I believe that if you just speak right here, outside here and not enter my house, he is healed. Okay. So God repeatedly does this to Moses, like I said. Um, and and I really love the I really love the story when I was just going through this one because when I was writing this, it just really felt different. It felt like an imprint of the Holy Spirit just being here, where God is saying he repeatedly does this to Moses. There's always a challenge and it always looks credible. I just gave this example of the 15,000s that I had to, you know, kept on seeing shining around in my life um, because of the financial security that I wanted to have to build the life that I want. Um, and then it was me, me, me. I want, 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 want versus, you know, where God wants to lead you. And sometimes it's always easier to go into the direction of the me, me, me because we slapstick like you see in this post, how you slapstick God into an idea, believing it is Jesus Christ when it's not really. So don't you find it intriguing how your heart is fully open to experiencing Jesus? You have an Abraham moment. You witness a burning bush moment, whether it is the literal sense, because it's the burning conviction in your heart. The first encounter of Jesus Christ is always pure before, you know, the devil enters the scene because I mean, just look at how quickly that happened. Jesus created man and woman. He created them beautiful. He created everything. And then the devil entered just right there in that very second. And I think it goes back to those posts where they say, um, you, you don't experience spiritual warfare when you're far away from God, because now you've become useless. But the closer you get to God, the more valuable you are to his kingdom promises to push in the glory of Jesus Christ. And just, 
you even if you're not somebody who speaks on a podcast or anything like that but just living a life of righteousness sometimes you're the you're the only righteous person you might think you may not believe that yourself as a righteous person but other people see that you're the closest thing to the image of god that god wanted in that place so um yeah so in that very second it's always intriguing how you always have that conviction as you grow in your faith you start getting tempted by the devil so you were useless when you didn't believe in Jesus Christ. And so the devil left you alone, you know. And it's not like the devil leaves you alone, to be fair. It's that you don't really see the when you are being falsely led. I think so. Let's say, for example, if maybe if I didn't believe in Jesus Christ and I saw like I saw these 15,000 five times or like 10 times. And every one of them, I went to each and every one of them. Sometimes a relentless and stubborn person like myself I'd have believed there's something wrong with me. I would have studied. I would have stayed up at 4 a.m. And just kept on pressing on. But some other people will will go to the 15,000 three times and then will quit. Being like, no, life is not fair. Life is just uh, a harsh place. Things are stripped for you. Only successful people. You know what I mean? Like Then that's when you start to have these ideas that only certain people have access to you know, sustainability, or it's not even just, you know, uh, financial, financial stability, but I'm saying that was the ideal in my eye at that time. Okay. Another idol in your eye could be even a relationship. You know, you date three, five guys, you get married four five times by the sixth person. Do you really want to go back to date or by the sixth marriage or the fifth marriage? Do you really want to go back to date after it's a, it ended in nothing and a divorce? Or would you, would you have negative beliefs about it or would you have positive beliefs about it? So I think when you, you're still being tossed around whether or not you believe in God, but believing in God and seeing and consistently asking for the veils of your eyes to be open gives you a different perspective of what's happening in your life and so that you can stand firm in Christ and, st and stand your ground, you know, have the courage. And I think that, you know, again, maybe a lot of people complain. I definitely did. You'll see that in the later series, why God you had to let me go down this road. You're not going to be strong. Let me tell you something in life. If you don't know what you're up against, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, then healing becomes important. Taking back your strength, healing becomes important. So I discussed that later. I don't want to give away too many secrets because then you guys won't stay. So let's continue. Oh my gosh. Then you'll notice you have to learn the voice of God because of, you know, difficulty brings strength lazy people don't gain anything out of life difficulties give you the strength you know they give you the strength there's no other way to be strengthened than to go through than to go through the flames than to go through the purification and um i love health and fitness and that's exactly the same way when i wanted to get super strong i remember i, I was okay so i naturally came in strong I think that's just the story of my life. National swimmer, I was this fat kid. I was hitting every record, hitting. There was one time, there was this one girl who was always beating me by a millisecond. And that was the most frustrating, irritating thing on the, on the history of humankind, okay? Because now, you, and I know why, you know, people who get the silver medal are the most resentful people. <laughs> because literally, you just lost by a millisecond, like really. So anyway, then there was a point, 100 meter breaststroke, 2004. I lapped everybody by half the pool. I was still fat, okay, with big curves, curves, 
Like nobody's business, okay? You guys know my story by now. People were poking at my body and asking me questions. Then the second time round, um, then I, oh, my coaches left. And then I didn't train for a whole year. I dropped all the way down to eighth place. And I swear to you, it was the worst experience. Because people all of a sudden, people I don't know showed up. I remember very vividly, one 13-year-old child, I was 18 at the time, one 13-year-old child came up to me. She was so excited that she beat me. It had been her life goal. And now she's very happy. So now she's busy telling me that this has been my life goal. I've been working to beat you. I wanted to beat this girl. Then she pauses and she looks at me and she goes, what happened? And you, you have no idea. My soul, my spirit, my body, my, my, my hair follicles, everything burnt up. I was so angry. I was so angry. I, I was like, you know what? I'm not a pompous individual. I stick to myself. I go sit and listen to music. Or I sit quietly and let you guys talk and run around, you know, just chaos, you know. I like to listen to people. And then I go and I train. But I train hard and I work hard. And all I want to do is just go in there and hit the medal, you know. So why are you coming to tell me that? Ask me what happened. Do I need to... Do do you not think that it's frustrating for me to also go through this point? But why I'm using this example is because sometimes, you know what I mean? When you are tested and when you, when the devil tempts you and you, and God will lead you down those paths, right? So that you can grow. There has to be that conviction. You know, there has to be, and trust me, it was not the little girl. No, the little girl actually really pissed me off. Then I was like, there's nobody who's going to get in my way after this. And after that, I owned the keys to the gym. I used to train at four o'clock in the morning. That annoying girl who liked um, running and I hated running. I used to run up with her up the mountain every single day. I trained three times a day. I trained in the morning. I would go running and then I'd go swimming with this girl because I had to put myself closest to the strongest people to get back to first place. So nobody talks to me and tells me it's been their life mission to beat me. It's none of you. I don't want to hear it. Okay. I want to go back to being the quiet person who sat at the corner and minding my own business and then just go and win some medals. Okay. I don't want to be told, you know, what happened to you. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to go through this difficulty again. I trained up the mountain. I would go up the mountain, come rain or something. Okay. No, no. Except for lightning. Cause this place, they used to strike people like, you know, it's just a the lightning will strike you like it's just a you know zap zap so you there's no running up the mountain when it was lightning but if it was raining i would train up the mountain if it was freezing cold and there was ice i would train up the mountain and i maintained that character in oklahoma where i the first time i saw snow i was like snow is not gonna beat me i don't run in the mornings though <laughs> but i would run at night in a t-shirt because why i always believe that i should kill every weak part of me and then so that i can conquer even snow, even if it's just myself personally, at that point, I was not, obviously I was not doing national swimming at that point, but I had that strong conviction that I will not allow weakness in my space. So I will go running in a t-shirt so I can be built strong. Because I, and, and it was, I'm crazy like that. I definitely know because the first time I experienced snow, my whole face froze. I couldn't talk. Everything froze up. I ran, I asked the guy to give me direction. He, he led me inside the building. I warmed up and I said, where is the bus? I'm going back home. Okay, I'm going back to my apartment. I went back to the apartment and I said, never again. I will run into the snow 
till my toes freeze, till it feels like my fingers are breaking, but I will defeat it and I will get strong into it. Okay, so I did exactly that. I would run up the mountains on winters because obviously winter break. We tried swimming a few times. I said, no, I can't swim, guys. So we, you know, changed the whole game plan. I would go spinning. Spinning was good for developing your legs. And I had to take out the whole um, the whole belief that you get big legs. I've got big legs anyway. We might as well just make them strong, big legs. So I started spinning on the bike. I'd go spinning. I would still be running up the mountain with the girl in the freezing cold, in the mist. I would swim in the mist. I would swim in the middle of the night. I'd swim in the middle of the night, in the morning, early hours of the morning. Whether you're not, you ask me, am I okay? Uh, are you even thinking when you go outside in the cold? I had to build that same way. So I feel like your faith has to be that kind of way. I feel as though God let me hit those many walls and be vulnerable to that many attacks. So I can be like, no, actually, no, no, no. What is happening here? What is going on here? Why am I going through this? And it is very important for you to start asking yourself, especially if you're someone like me who didn't want to have a full confrontational growth when it comes to being tempted by the devil. I think then it's, it makes sense for God to say, okay, I will literally allow your free will to go in there, but I also want you to understand why it's important for you to strengthen not only your faith, strengthen your understanding, strengthen your discernment and heal because your beliefs lie to you and affirmations are stealing this consistently from you. So it is um, taking on this. I definitely noticed I wanted to learn the voice of God. You have to readapt yourself, re-evolve, understand the landscape that we live in. You know, I felt at the time, again, like I said in part one, that it was enough for me to just have um, the Bible, just have, you know, everything Christianity, follow Christian things, follow this, but really reading the Bible, strengthen yourself in your growth by adapting, evolving. Some, and I think it's difficult. It's very easy to do it with um, competitive sports because there's something physical there. But when it comes to personal development, years can go by, years can go by, and you don't recognize that you have not changed. So I feel like it then you don't need to be triggered by somebody asking you. You don't need to be triggered by failing so many times. Sometimes it's much, it's more beneficial. It's more worth your while, worth your growth, worth your personal development, worth your purpose in life with your kingdom promises, just to take on, take on the growth, take on the responsibility, take on the courage, be brave enough to go in the direction. And, and, and by understanding your healing, understanding your weaknesses, am I constantly weak when it comes to love, wanting to be accepted, uh, wanting to learn? Um, do I have a problem with anger? Understand those weaknesses and drive your growth through those and have the purpose to never allow any weakness again to take you down like it took me down it took me dude it took me two years fam with this one before i realized hey the devil the devil is a liar and so affirmations lying so anyway i believe this is an impairment part of your relationship with jesus christ soon after your baptism all these false ideas start coming into play and they are more readily more than ever because Here's one of the strongest convictions that I feel like I just need to have a question about. I'm not even reading part two. You guys can go read part two. But one of the things that I said in part two was affirmations have done a phenomenal job. Like I said in part one, an astounding job 
They have done a phenomenal job in making God nameless in a no-name brand. You know when you go into a store and you buy a yogurt, but the no-name brand yogurt, huh, it's like... So the branded yogurts is probably like, I'm going to use Emelangani, okay? A Rands, South African Rands. It's probably like 20, 35 Rands or 40 Rands, which is like probably like $3. The no-name brand yogurts is probably $2 or 12 Rands, okay? So, of course, you're going to go pick. It's the same taste. It's the same quality. You go and look at the ingredients. Maybe if you're an ingredients reading person, then sometimes you'll go pick the no-name brand. They have done a phenomenal job in robbing you of the names of Jesus Christ and making you believe that Jesus is exactly the same as calling as the universe. When you say the universe, who exactly are you speaking to? Because remember, the devil is in the universe. The devil is in the kingdoms. The devil is also in heaven, which I don't get, you know, with the story of Job. But <laughs> somebody else can explain that moment to me because why is he in heaven? He has access into heaven. So when you are saying the universe, who are you talking to? Because you can't say you are talking, you can't say the universe has my side and the devil is right there who is very eager he's the 12 dollar he's the he's the 12 emelangani the one rand ice cream or the one rand yogurt the one dollar yogurt waiting for you to speak more than the more expensive yogurt why is it easier so they've done an, ex an exceedingly perfect job in making you understand in 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 misleading you in what the names of God is and why the purpose of the names of God are so crucial. Then learning to hear the names of the voice of God is a life journey because we will always have an idol. There's all there are continuous demands in our lives. And I feel like the busyness of our lives that have increased, um, and then living in social media where we lot of, where we leave, where we see even Christians, uh, post say, this is a sign. You know, I, I'm still not there yet. I will be honest. I have a way to go because right now I resent those. Um, I resent those posts. I used to post them up until I hit the brick wall and I had that 13 year old girl moment where it was like, where have you been anyway? You know, like what happened to you? And for me, but it was a personal reflection. Like what is happening? Why is things being robbed away from me? I traveled two hours, five hours, six hours for a soulmate to ended up being trash. What is going on? And so that's when the person, you, those convictions, those struggles, those, those trials have to turn into testimonies. The only way they can turn into testimonies is acknowledging what is my weakest point in my life? What is my weakness right now? Uh, obviously, when I was a national swimmer, it was adapting, evolving. Um, you know, I used to be the type of person, I would write down your record with my record, and then I would like go and... Uh, what I love about people, what is about me is I think like people, or people are pompous. I don't think it's that I look stupid or whatever, but people always want to gloat. So the swimmers used to tell me they used to train eight times a week. And I was like, oh, I don't train eight times a week. Let me start training eight times a week. If you feel like you are consistently, if you're consistently falling into the traps of your weaknesses, the only way to turn from that environment or turn, have that turning point in that area it's by asking yourself, what am I consistently chasing after and not fully giving? What am I consistently slapsticking Jesus on my life 
and not seriously giving because there are several compounding beliefs that are constantly influencing our dreams and aspirations. These include following your parental beliefs, your parental observations, social beliefs, friendship beliefs, structural beliefs, local beliefs, social media, and the likes. And the key themes connecting all of these are these beliefs that is there was a financial insecurity, maybe in my area, maybe amongst your friend, it's getting married. Everybody's always asking, when are you going to get married, girl? Oh, you're still single. What's going on? And you start feeling like they, you're an alien, like they, you're abnormal, like there's something wrong with you. And so there are all these demands that are happening in your life. And when we allow the financial security to come from or the beliefs to cement more of our friends, and that's why the key having a relationship with God is key because when you allow all these relationships to cement, it's very easy then to think that, okay, to pray to Jesus and then also slapstick him on the side. So you're already doing this regardless of whether or not you do affirmations. Even if you don't do affirmations, a lot of the time, sometimes we, we have a prayer, then we slapstick God next to that prayer. We didn't ask him what's happening. You say, okay, Jesus, you say, in your prayer, okay, God, um, please prepare me for uh, this job interview. I'm going for this job interview right here. But you didn't really, but you didn't take him through the whole entire process. You're only praying him in this, maybe this last minute. You didn't ask him, please align a job for me that is suitable for my character, where I can grow and be and more be of service to you and um, be a testimony to you for, for your kingdom. Um then now you come to the interview, then you slap, slapstick Jesus. Okay, Jesus, I find this job. Um, please make it a, a, a success. You know, and I'm not saying that every inch of the way you should be asking God what to happen. But what I'm saying is in a lot of the prayers, let's say for another one, um, you really want to get married. And this guy is evidently looking back for you. You have not researched yourself what it is to be in a marriage, what it is to be in a godly marriage. It's definitely not what the world is doing. You know, there are gender roles, as they say, in the, you know, in the regular declare conversations. And those gender roles, they have a kingdom purpose. So sometimes you get married and you didn't even think that you should grow into the marriage or grow into the Proverbs 31 woman or grow into the wife role. Up until you shoved and had too many arguments and you've hit too many roadblocks. And then you realize, oh, I slept stuck God into this journey, but I haven't fully taken him on into this journey. In terms of teaching me to move away from my parental beliefs, my social beliefs, my local beliefs, and the social media beliefs. And the reason why I say that is because um I said that in part one. Sometimes we observed there were, you know, sometimes we fight, there's a lot of cattiness among women, and we don't realize it's uh, an observed behavior, a learned behavior from women who had to fight uh, to have a say, who fought with other women, you know, to have a say, have a place here. They had to fight with other women because at the time polygamy was a thing. You know, polygamy was big. It just made sense. It was a cultural thing. But then it created a lot of cattiness among women. Um, actually, you know, can I please just say something on the side? And my dad also said it. There's this reality show that we watch and it has, oh, it has two women who are polygamous. Okay. Unfortunately, this speaks more about the man, but we won't go there because now we're just, that's a TV recap and I ain't doing that. But there was one woman. I absolutely, okay. I absolutely loved her when they, when they showed her on, on other like TV campaigns, she's in a polygamous relationship 
when they showed her on other TV campaigns, when they showed her everything, then they even took her to the show. I won't say who because, but it had my TV husband. Okay. I didn't say I was perfect. I have a television husband and an Instagram boyfriend. Okay. Hey, we're back. So it had, um, then, you know, so she was powerful. She was talking about the beauty of marriage. Even if, even if you're a woman in a polygamous marriage, I, it really, it would make you fall in love with the marriage. Now there's another South African guy. Please, you guys help me. I, 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 I always forget his name. He is in a polygamous relationship. Every person in South Africa or in Swaziland, okay, want to marry this guy because he has, he kind of has come across like making it an, ideal situation he's very empowering very loving and everything so this but these are so these are the two polygamous women the one woman my dad and i were even disappointed because my dad watched 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 with me like two episodes and he's like this is very disappointing she's a shit stirrer she's competing she's just disgusting and then halfway through, we both acknowledged that, you know what, it was because she was in this polygamous relation. Maybe it's probably like, it's more exposing what kind of situation she goes through in her polygamous relationship. Because if she's very hostile and very negative, yes, in part, it could be her character. But another part of her, it could be just um, exposing, you know, the kind of feelings that women have towards, you know, getting married and you know, always making sure that nobody's taking their man. But how do you do that when you're in a polygamous country, when you're in a polygamous situation? So, you know, anyway, so the point is, before I go on about this one, it was just showing like, you know, so we have all these observations. You're learning how to be always catty, how to always watch women when your man is next to you. And it's like, but wait, really, where did you watch that? I'm just talking about, I know a lot of other people do that, but I'm saying in my area where polygamy is a thing. Where did you learn to watch that? Sometimes a lot of us don't acknowledge, you know what? I learned to be catty. I learned to be insecure. I learned to track my boyfriend because the women in this country do that. Where does it stem from, the polygamy in this country? Where does that stem from? Uh, women just being hostile, always being scared of a second wife being taken on, you know, or whatever. It's more deeper than that. Again, my sister's more key with that one. But there are a lot of driving forces that we have. And sometimes that's why hearing the voice of God is a journey because every journey, every season, there's something for you to offload that, oh, this is still stemming from a belief that I have about women as opposed to God's promises and God's kingdom truths. And so I really definitely do believe, go and check out part two on why and how we slapstick Jesus onto our lives and why it's connected to our beliefs, why we need to then flush out our beliefs and in part one i said that you know what sometimes we take a lot of beliefs from a uh, high school and you think that that's something from adulthood where high school again should be just um it should be just you know like a spring break you should know it's just a one-time experience live the best live the most of your life but how is that possible let's say if you're somebody like me who you know you feel some type of way it left an imprint on you just having all these people question you consistently like, why is your body like this? Why are you like this? Why are you like this? And you feel some type of way. Maybe you become insecure about your body. Maybe you become insecure about your life. And then that insecurity about your body translates into insecurity about your life. Um, those things are something that it takes a lifetime to give to God. And, you know, without failing, without falling into fallacies like affirmations, you wouldn't know the sincerity and the beauty of Jesus Christ. So I'm just going to leave you with some a few things 
where you can also see yourself are you is your heart anchored in jesus christ or is it anchored into something that you yearn for so a dating belief could be mirror a man and he'll instantly fall in love with you actually and then that is wrong because you miss learning whether or not this individual aligns to your values then dating belief number two wash your boyfriend's clothes and clean the house leads to marriage I don't know if there's a Southern African thing. You guys can let me know. If it's more than a Southern African thing, can you please burn the idea? Throw the whole idea in the trash. Because again, wrong. Because once more, you'll miss the opportunity to observe how your values and dreams align in your love languages. Um, That was something that I wrote from part one, two, three, four, five of my dating series on just how to... Why it's more important to learn about your own personal values and just be focused on, you know, are my values aligned to Jesus Christ? Is this something that is, um, are these kingdom values and will they harm me? Only because you want to make sure that you're escaping from these clutches of idol worshipping. Um, this is just a signal just to give you, just to also then focus on, um, are you going, is this area going to lead you into idol worshipping where you re- where you remove the power of God to the side Or are you going to be like that soldier and say, hey, with your voice, you're going to teach me how to be a good wife. Because hello, honey, he won't teach you just to, God doesn't just give you a boyfriend like affirmations does. God wants to help you understand. He doesn't want you to be the nagging wife who's going to be out here, you know, bashing women and, um, and saying nasty things like the woman did where my dad was even like, how, no, this is actually a shock. But it probably says more about the type of polygamous relationship she was in. And what's actually funny, what was ironic about that situation, the guy with the four wives, who everybody wants to be the housewife, um, the, the wife of, because he's treated all the four wives um, very well. She was, she was humble, but very reserved and quiet. So I won't say that she's perfect, but the two were very telling in that situation. But anyway, and then the second, the third one is career beliefs. Having sleepless nights leads to success. Yes and no. However, diabetes is overrated, especially here in the wellness area. A lot of people getting diabetes, cholesterol, um, half a stroke, close to a stroke, malnourishment, not living healthily. You can live that rigorous life for sure. You can have sleepless nights, but taking your body is something that God just generally wants you to have, because why are you passing away before your time? You know, why are you imposing like these illnesses before your time? So that's just something that, you know, these are just very superficial ones. I'm going to be adding more of them in the later chapters in the later series for you guys, just so that we can go through, are you slapsticking God? Because in these areas here, if you clean and you wash for your boyfriend, sometimes you're going to go cry and pray when he cheats on you or he leaves you and be like, but Jesus, yeah, breaking my heart. I thought this was a person I was supposed to marry. No, you slapsticked God into that one. You didn't even ask God. You went and you started cleaning somebody's things. You're not supposed to be doing those things in an ungodly relationship. And then sometimes that's when you can get that real conviction to be like, okay, but actually I cleaned his clothes because let's say if I want to keep myself till marriage, but I don't want to lose him. I still want to show I'm a good wife. What What's that all about? You know, so you're... You've started creating your own beliefs or that's the societal beliefs. 
you have taken someone's society to believe that cleaning and washing for your boyfriend, they must see a good boyfriend. I had, you guys know I had like that crazy example where one girl made me chop onions. And then I was like, what, but where's the ghost boyfriend? Like, who am I chopping onions for? <laughs> like, I was so mad with that one, you know, but you know what I mean? But that's a societal thing. Sometimes if a, and a lot of people were doing that, it'll start making you question like, Ish, there's something wrong with me because I'm not out here chopping onions for people. You know, so I can be practicing how to be a good wife. What does that have anything to do be with a good wife? You know, what about the emotional health of your husband? Have you learned how to speak with kindness? Because maybe I'm sitting here and I'm observing and I'm learning from women how to yell at somebody. You're not chopping this right. You're not doing this right. And then in turn, because I haven't, I've only picked that up. I haven't asked myself, okay, but what about, you know, speaking with kindness? Now when I get married, now I'm speaking to my husband with that same tone. But you're not doing this. You're not doing that. Because why? I'm so used to having. Because women kept on tying those two together. Huh? You can't even chop onions properly. So what have I learned? That our wife must, you know, subconsciously you kind of learn to bucket your boyfriends and your husband. Because more of the time you are having women bucket you like that. So that is also something that, you know, you can only have that. The more you pull yourself away, the more that you have to say, man, okay, I'm observing this. But is this the, is the, are these godly truths? You won't always get it from affirmations. When affirmations are consistently lying to you and making you believe that um, from your own voice, you can create something. You believe, that's very different. Yeah, don't rob the authority that God has and the power that God has to pursue something such as relationships, a career. Take God, ask God on that journey and it's more or less like you, in the series you see, it's more or less of developing a sense of peace and knowing his voice and understanding these weaknesses in order for you to keep propelling in the direction that Jesus Christ has for you. But anyway, guys, definitely go and listen to or read this latest episode on affirmations are deceitful to your breakthrough because they blind you in making you sometimes believe the most important thing. They make you, they blind you and make you believe that the insecurities that you have can be changed through your own works. Whereas Jesus says his grace is not, his love is not based on our works. That's why Jesus had always people, people who, who, who killed people. You know, that I'm not saying that, you know, go and kill somebody and Jesus will pick you. No. And I'm not saying that, do what is wrong. No. But he had imperfect people. I think that's better to emphasize. He had a lot of imperfect people that he took on because with that same drive, that same zealous that you have calling out those affirmations, use it in his kingdom and see. And then through it, you will be able, he will be able to teach you these are the lies of the devil and these are them. That's the biggest thing. With affirmations, Okay, I experienced a lot of spiritual warfare with affirmations, so I don't know how other people responded to affirmations. But with affirmations, it kind of lies to you in making you believe that you will not be tested by the devil. Whereas, I think you should understand from this post that the devil hovers over the heavens and the, the earth. So if you are busy saying the universe, the universe, and having a no-name brand, you are actually allowing and enticing you know, you're allowing and enticing um, a foothold for the devil to come in and lie to you and lead you in a path that was not meant to be yours in the first place. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. 
Um, let me know if you have any questions. Definitely go and read that episode because it says identifying when you're hiding certain pains from God. I just, I thought that it was very good. It was very crucial. It was very crucial for me just to go in and, um, what you call this thing. I, it was very crucial for me just to go in and write about, um, you know, some, uh, write about your hurts and your pains, because I feel like, again, you're not an evil person for idol worshiping. But I just want you to understand the sensitivity or how sensitive your heart is. And not even just your heart, but beliefs. You can be a great person. You can be confident. But you could be so entrenched in worldly beliefs that it just feels more convenient. And it feels more, you're still convicted when you slapstick God to, along the side of your human beliefs. And I feel like God's, God's beliefs are more like our human beliefs. But you will just see him speaking to you and revealing himself different to you. When you then take up on God um, first and then take up on a journey and see where that leads you. And it's not going to be anything like faith where you have to look for signs, have that faith, have that conviction to change. And that's why I love the story of the centurion soldier, because he said with the authority of your voice, and that takes you back to Hebrews, uh, faith without seeing. So definitely think about, about that. Let me know in the comments what you think. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Have, and apart from that, have a wonderful day, y'all. Have a blessed, wonderful day and live a life of breakthroughs with a blackout to health and wellness lifestyle.